What's up everybody? How's it going? Welcome to the first episode of the Struggling Actors Diary podcast and this is your host Devesh from Mumbai. Super excited to finally be here and recording this. I've got to say I've been wanting to do this for the longest possible time. Maybe ever since I started being a fan of the medium at some point last year, which was I guess you know pretty much around the same time I started my training as an actor. I I remember I was traveling by this local train and uh, I was reading this book on acting. It was uh, as far as my memory serves me correctly I think it was called The Lee Strasberg Notes. So yeah if you're uh, an actor uh, you know and you're listening to this I could give you a pretty cool book recommendation. I'll repeat it once again though Laura the, the Lee Strasberg Notes by Laura Cohen. So yeah, I I just completed this book and I had about probably 7 maybe 8 stops left to go before I was to reach my final destination and I just need to kill time. And normally what I do is, you know, if I'm sitting at home and I just need to kill some time, I'd usually be uh, you know, up on YouTube watching some video essay on my favorite uh, film. Maybe I'm, you know, watching some uh, interview of my favorite actor or my favorite director. But yeah since I was traveling by the local train you know where internet speeds are pretty slow and YouTube is hence out of the question. Uh I was just thinking you know how am I supposed to kill my time you know and um, you know I told myself that you know I I, I don't feel like listening to music uh, I guess I had a headache that day I, I I don't know. Uh so that's when you know it just hit me you know because just a few days back uh my friend and I we had gone uh, for a drive in a car and uh, this friend of mine he's a programmer. and he was listening to this podcast uh, related to uh, coding blocks or something of that nature so it just hit me that you know maybe i could just uh, listen to some podcast about acting you know it's something i've never done and maybe i could you know just benefit from it uh, and kill the time so you know i, I go up on the internet I, i i look up you know podcast for acting in bollywood could not find anything i i then look up for podcasts uh, related to acting in hollywood i'm able to find maybe four or five of them all of them are based uh, in la So I'm able to kill my time but while I'm listening to all this you know I'm at the same time I'm thinking you know that how come we here in India we don't have any podcast channels that are dedicated to our actors you know you know I mean uh, we have the biggest possible film industry in in the world you know Bollywood so how come we don't have any any podcast channels that are dedicated to our local actors and this could include you know everyone it could include the celebrities the star kids the the, the newcomers the struggling actors the the you know, people who are being beginning to get noticed the whole jing bang i mean we do have shows like like coffee with karan uh, or other forms of chat shows you know that everyone is familiar with but all everyone talks about on such shows is you know how such how some or the other star kid is getting launched who's dating who who's sleeping with who yada 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 all that jazz which is fine you know and if truth be told i enjoy those shows as well you know i find them entertaining and there's nothing wrong with that you know but honestly does anyone ever talk about their craft anymore because you know i'm i'm 100% certain that there definitely must be some kind of an audience out there that would certainly be interested in getting an insight into how actors might be approaching their roles or for that matter anyone you could be um, you could be a director you could be a cinematographer a sound artist uh, a playwright you know i'm quite sure that there are people out there who are interested in knowing how how people uh, approach their craft And it's funny because I was watching this interview of uh, Martin Scorsese a few weeks back, who, by the way, happens to be my uh, one of my all-time favorite directors. So I'm watching this interview of Martin Scorsese, and he's speaking about his film Goodfellas, and he's recounting um, 
so this uh, he he's basically he's recounting something about uh, this iconic scene uh, in, in the film featuring uh, Joey Pesci and Ray Liotta um and you know uh, if you if you've already seen the film and if you've uh, if if you're a fan of Martin Scorsese's filmography then you probably might be guessing you know which scene I'm referring to I'm referring to Joey Pesci's um, funny how funny like I'm a clown I'm here to amuse you I'm referring to that scene so I've got to mention at this point that if you're a cinephile and you haven't seen the scene already you know I mean what can i say you know stop listening you know in fact stop whatever you're doing at this moment and and just start watching this film it's on netflix you know anyways so martin scorsese is saying in the interview that the scene it was never part of the original script that joey pesci he just approached him at some point during the shooting <clears throat> and he recounted to him an incident during his younger days when he used to wait tables at a restaurant and <clears throat> there used to be this gangster who used to frequent this restaurant and he used to keep uh, cracking all kinds of jokes so one fine day joey just goes up to him and he you know he just says you know what you're funny you know the way you're telling the joke it's it's funny and it was just meant we it was a harmless comment you know it it was a very innocent thing you know that he said but this gangster he got he got like all offended and he reacted in basically the same manner that you see joey joey's character reacting in in the scene So what Martin did was, you know, he said that, you know, I I like what you recounted and I'm going to include this uh, in the film. So what he did was he gave Joey Pesci the go ahead to improvise and he went up to Ray Liotta and he told Ray Liotta that listen, um, you know, Joey Pesci is going to crack some joke and all you've got to do is, you know, say that you're funny, you know, the way you're cracking the joke, it's 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 funny. And what he didn't do, what Martin Scorsese did not do was tell any of the other actors or Ray, Ray Liotta what would be Joey Pesci's reaction. So what a reaction you see of the other actors be it Ray Liotta's or any of the other surrounding actors where i mean it's imprinted on their faces you know i mean uh, you can make out they are they are like debating in their mind you know whether are they supposed to laugh at Joey Pesci's joke or are they supposed to be scared shitless you know i mean that nervous laughter that 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 fear on their faces that was all real and what martin scorsese did was he he milked that that moment of authenticity to create this really tense moment where as an audience you know you're you're all tense up you know i mean you obviously you're aware of Joey Pesci's character which i think was Tommy DeVito in the film you're aware that he's an absolute uh, firecracker he could explode at any minute you know i mean he could just whip out his gun and sh- start shooting people around so you're all tense up that you know maybe he's going to do that but at the same time you're you're laughing you know you have the stitch in your in the side of your chest uh so anyways my my point is this that if you look at hollywood or by a certain extension even world cinema these are the kind of conversations that that people hailing from the film industry or or the entertainment industry these are the kind of conversations that that artists like to indulge in out here however in in bollywood all we talk about all we talk about is how um oh my last film crossed 100 crores at the box office so and so film of mine crossed 200 crores at the box office this film shattered all the box office records so many amount of crores is uh, is um, riding on xyz superstar uh, this superstar has so many releases this particular year it's it's all about the numbers you know it's all numbers and statistics and look i get it you know i'm i'm not an idiot i, I get it that you know uh, that you know numbers is something that is important you know it's not i mean you know you can't just uh do away with the commercial aspects of 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 uh, of the entire process of filmmaking you know i'm not an idiot it's it's you know if if i if i were to say that and you know just say that you know our films should be artistic and you know they should be completely de- completely devoid of of the commercial aspects that that's just visual thinking you know but at the same time i feel that you know somewhere in this whole numbers game 
we have forgotten the real language of the stories that we as actors or, or as artists we are trying to convey and we have forgotten that that language is basically our emotions you know which come from an area in the region of our gut you know which is called our inner life and somewhere we have forgotten that and we are in this uh, this relentless and and meaningless pursuit of of numbers and i feel that this is not not just you know limited to our entertainment industry it's also reflective of society as well i mean just look at how the whole youtube versus tiktok battle has been blown out of proportion i mean in fact you know who am i kidding you know i mean i'm glad it has blown in our faces cuz what it has done is it has given birth to this discussion of what is art or what should be considered as art you know should shooting and uploading 20 second videos be considered as an art form is it a, is it a new form of art altogether i mean i could go on and on about what it means to be a genuine artist in the day and age of tiktok but you know i mean that's just a different discussion altogether uh, maybe i could just uh, devote a separate episode exclusively for that i mean sure why not I- i'd love to do that i, I have plenty to say on-, on that matter but anyway coming back to my point about having this need to have a genuine discussion about our art and how we approach it daily how we continuously hone our craft work on our skills and improve our technique uh what i do hope is that you know this podcast is uh, you know somewhere it is able to achieve that and at the same time you know it could also this podcast could also live up to its name that is you know i could use it as a diary to talk about my own daily struggle what i do why i do what drives me as an actor what my insecurities might be and somewhere down the line this might be who knows you know it could be reflective of the general insecurities of uh, that 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 all actors or artists face you could be traveling up and down every single day to andheri west or ramnagar for your for your auditions but the daily grind back and forth back and forth at some point you know i mean your mind it just starts getting plagued with doubts and fears and what i really do hope is that this podcast here it serves as a reminder of uh, that you know that you're not alone that we're all in pretty much the same boat and most of all what i do hope is that you know these episodes they they serve as some kind of uh, some kind of a record of our times as in this is what our entertainment industry was like at this point of time maybe 5 years from now when things get much better and it's easier for outside actors to make an entry into our industry this would serve as a record maybe in future who knows i mean you know if i if i make it to where i want to be uh i could always you know look back and and maybe this episode could serve as an interesting or uh, listening experience you never know now my intention when i started recording this was that since this was the first episode i could i could maybe speak a little bit about my journey so far as an actor how i how i you know really became an actor you know what drew me to this creative profession what i have done so far as an actor but you know i guess i just meandered in a completely different direction you know but you know that's i mean that's that's cool you know i mean i think it's one of the reasons why i find this medium that of podcasting you know extremely attractive you know there's no script there's no filter on the time and what you really want to speak about you might have you know you might have some kind of an idea of what you might want to talk about but you could end up in a completely different zone altogether and the way i see it it's very similar to improvisation in acting where after having done all your work uh, you know be it on character building and you know that could include writing all your notes on your character's backstory his world view his likes dislikes etc etc you enter a scene not knowing where it's going to go i mean obviously you've learned all your lines and you and you're choosing to stick to the basic script but at the same time you're not anticipating exactly how you're going to deliver your lines 
instead what you're doing is you're you're choosing to be in the moment and just you know responding to your co-actor to your surroundings maybe towards your props and you just go with the flow but you know there i go again i i'm, I'm again i'm digressing but i guess you know if i were to talk about my journey so far if i were to wind my life back to where i was maybe 10 years back i guess i could never have uh, I, i would never have been able to predict that i would go on to become an actor i mean the way i see it i, I was this i was this typical indian kid coming from a middle class family well well on his way to become an engineer and before i was 18 i, I had never acted as well and i guess that's uh, when it all started when i was 18 and um, i think i just joined this uh, engineering college in uh, chamber and it was around the same time that i remember the quality of films i used to watch that completely changed and and for the better i mean so far my only exposure to my only exposure to cinema was mostly bollywood and if i was watching a hollywood film it would mostly be you know the typical summer blockbuster popcorn movies like uh, like a harry potter or an avengers lord of the rings that kind of stuff i was never exposed to the kind of cinema or, or acting for that matter the kind of work that people regard as classics or the sort that is appreciated at oscars or, or by film critics you know which most of the mainstream audience might find boring but i remember i was um, i made some new friends at, at at this new college and i think uh, one of them taught me how to download torrents and i remember we were having this discussion about films to watch and he gave me this list of films i should be watching because he was a huge film buff himself so the first film that was my introduction to classic cinema or or, or world cinema was inglorious bastards now I know that technically Inglorious Bastards is not it's very much a Hollywood film but since it had a large smattering of French, German and I guess a little bit of Italian as well I guess that's enough to qualify it as world cinema. Anyways, back then uh when I was watching this film uh what can I say little did I know that the director of the film that is uh, Quentin Tarantino he would go on to play such a large influence in my life. I mean his films they they just made me look at cinema in a whole different light. uh and i would like to believe that in some ways you know they would also influence the kind of actor i would go on to become or, or at least aim to be i think even his style of directing uh, it it certainly it went on to influence the way i would go on to direct plays at my college maybe a year later uh I, i'll talk about that in a moment but as i was saying i was watching inglorious bastards and i remember the first scene playing out and it was this really lengthy i guess a 20 minute long scene where you have uh, Christopher Waltz who's playing this Nazi officer he's interrogating this farmer in France and uh, at at his house and i remember very well you know how the scene just involved a lot of talking a lot of banter i mean these guys were just talking about the most the most mundane and and, and trivial objects such as milk you know and it was just mostly off topic banter and i think i was just beginning to doze off when uh, there was the shot of the camera panning downwards as the conversation ranges on and this moment it's it's forever imprinted it, it's imprinted in my memory you know I, and um, i remember the camera was moving downwards and it goes right down underneath the floorboard to reveal this family of maybe four or five people hiding below and they were obviously jews you know i mean this is a world war 2 film and right at that moment you know i was like boom you know my attention was undivided and i remember the scene you know it it just ended in a blaze of bullets and and wood chippings and and dust and i think the entire film was pretty much the same where you had these tense and extended conversations that would eventually just explode in some way or another 
and i remember thinking you know how it was you know maybe the first time i had felt a sense of appreciation and and marvel towards every single department of filmmaking you know in creating this this atmosphere of uneasiness and this appreciation i think this appreciation was it was specially you know directed towards the acting and the direction because personally i had never seen this kind of acting before where even something as simple as you know maybe christopher waltz uh, brushing breadcrumbs off a table you know while resuming his interrogation that could capture my attention i mean there was just so much detailing so many layers and and it was great and i guess after that i pretty much started watching every single tarantino film read up all i could about him before moving on to the godfather films after which i think i started watching all the martin scorsese classics uh at some point i started watching korean films my entry point into korean cinema was old boy no surprises there i mean you know since practically every film buffs entry point into korean cinema is old boy so yeah i mean i watched a lot of korean thrillers before i moved on to a wide variety of french russian german japanese films and now that i now that i just look back you know and actually think about it i think that that subconsciously all this exposure to all these different styles of cinema that may have played a part in shaping me up into the kind of actor that i wanted to become without you know me actually having begun to act without this journey even having begun and i think it was during that phase in my life when i was exploring all sorts of cinema um i think around that time we were having this cultural fest in our college and one fine day you know my culture in charge she just came up to me and said that you know devesh have uh, put your name down for group dance and i was like you know i i i can't dance you know and she was like well you've got to take part in something cuz we need to add points to our class team or, or or some shit like that you know and so i just i looked up at the list of events and i saw group dance there was solo dance there was singing and i, I can't sing to save my life you know then there was rangoli painting and i was like you know that's just so not my thing and then right at the bottom of the list was mono acting and i was thinking mono acting uh, i mean yeah sure why not you know i mean what's the worst that could happen i mean i might just end up embarrassing myself up on stage but that's fine i've embarrassed myself plenty of times before so i put down my name for it and i guess a week later i took part in the first round they'd given us some kind of an impromptu situation cleared it took part in the second round cleared that too before i knew it I was one of the five finalists and I was supposed to perform in this huge amphitheater in our college. And I remember the night before the performance we were all given a movie from which we had to perform one scene. Now the movie that I got was Gangs of Wasepur. So like I I just you know I spent the entire night selecting the scene I wanted to perform on. Then I learned my lines, tried to get my diction correct cuz I wanted it to sound rustic without me really trying to look like I'm putting too much effort. spent some time trying to get my body language right as well slept a couple of hours before i went to college now um i guess you know if i was nervous the night before uh that was still nothing you know compared to what happened right before i went up on stage you see the thing was that my performance it was at the very end you know right after the four finalists were to perform and i saw all four of them you know putting up some kind of a comedic or or, or a funny act and here i am almost shitting my pants you know cuz i chosen to do this really violent scene you know everyone else is doing something comedy and i'm doing this really intense violent scene where i'm basically thrashing somebody and 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 screaming out an angle and i was certain that i was going to end up making a complete ass of myself up on stage anyways uh when it was my turn i i i took my first step on stage 
and I was really nervous and my legs they they felt like you know they were made of jelly but I think you know something just happened you know with the second step I took I I I can't explain it but uh with the second step I I remember you know mustering you know whatever energy I had uh and I just let myself burst in anger on stage and I don't think I thought of anything else while I was performing but I remember that moment you know when I completed my performance and got down from the stage and went back to my seat there was this one judge you know who was um, who was also the mechanics professor and uh, he was staring at me like i was some <laughs> like i was some kind of a rare species you know behind i don't know glass wall in some zoo you know long story short they started uh, they started uh, announcing the winners and they first announced the name of the person who came third and i was thinking you know if i'm not third i might as well leave then they announced the guy who came second and i'm wondering you know why am i still sitting here and while announcing the guy who came first they called out my name and obviously i'm all ecstatic you know because it, that was honestly that was the first time that i'd come first at anything uh I, so yeah i mean you know i think if there was you know a definite uh moment or you know i i think that would be the most precise moment where you could say that the acting bug it just bit me i mean don't get me wrong you know back then i i still never considered it as a as a career option because you know i i i i didn't want to feel like i was delusional you know i mean i only thought of it as something i could take part in maybe as an extracurricular thing for the remaining 3 years in college and i kept telling myself that you know what don't kid yourself you might not even be that good you know it's probably just a fluke you know anyways in my second year we had another college fest coming and i was chosen to direct this play because i was supposed to be the kid who ended up winning the last year now as i said before how how being a huge fan of Tarantino's filmography how it went on to influence the way i would i would direct my plays so one of the things or one of the most distinctive styles about Tarantino's films is his background music for one thing he he never uses original soundtracks or OSTs but what he do was he would you know just take a background music from some some obscure film that was made 40 or 50 years back and he would place his film uh, he would he would place the same music in his films at appropriate moments and his placement of this music was so perfect that when you would see his films and hear the music playing in the background you'd never think that the music that was created for this film that was made 40 50 years back it was ever composed for that particular film it was made for tarantino's film because it just you know it just matched you know it just fitted with the with the, the scene that was playing at that particular time and I guess I would do exactly that you know I would I would let's say I'm you know I'm watching some Greek film you know that nobody has ever heard of and let's say you know I fall in love with the background music you know so I I just I download that background music separately and then you know I just I try to find an, an appropriate moment in 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 the play that I'm directing you know like I find an appropriate uh, moment in the play that you know uh, where I could attach it and people would end up appreciating that and come to me and saying you know they admire the way I stage everything you know when all i really did was you know getting my actors to act as per the beats of the music so that was it you know i mean uh, pretty much for the next 3 years i would act and direct plays and simultaneously i would take part in mono acting and and win every single time and that initial doubt that i had that you know maybe it was all just a fluke that doubt it just changed to self confidence and and a belief that you know i was good at this and that i should own to, I, i should just own it you know and while i still did not consider it as a career option because i guess that was never part of my plan you know the plan was always to just complete my engineering degree 
get placed at a decent company and work for a couple of years, you know, then maybe sit for my GRE, go to the US for my master's, get a job out there and may maybe finally, you know, settle down. But, uh, and yeah, I, I, I stuck to that plan, you know. I got placed in a dream company after my fourth year. Uh, only thing was that my job was in Pune. So that was my first time staying away from home, away from my parents. Now, the first six months into this, into my first job, they were pretty exciting. You know, I mean, the whole change from college to corporate life, that can be exciting for anybody. New city, new surroundings, new people, being independent for the first time. What's not to like, you know, I mean... Uh, but I guess, you know, after a certain point, uh, and maybe for the first time in my life, monotony started to just creep in and the very idea of sitting in front of a computer, just coding for eight or nine hours a day, coming home, uh, having stale food for dinner, watching the latest Netflix show before sleeping. I don't think that was really my idea of, of, of a fulfilling life. And I just, I began asking myself if I was okay with that kind of lifestyle for maybe the next 10, 20, 30 years, I don't know. And no matter how much I initially denied it, ultimately, I think I, I just had to be honest with myself and tell myself, no, I was I was just not okay with that. So um, uh, I, I, I remember I was speaking to a friend from college about it and he suggested doing something extra, like uh, something extra that I liked you know, during my free time. And he said that, you know, since I like being on stage in front of the camera, why not start my own YouTube channel? You know, it's it's something that, you know, everybody's doing these days. They are people even earn out of it. So I was like, yeah, I mean, why not? That's a pretty cool idea. So I asked myself, you know, what could what could my channel be about? And that didn't exactly take me long to figure out that I was basically a, a walking, talking film encyclopedic. So I decided that I'd come out with my own movie review channel. So I set myself to it. And within a month, while I didn't you know, immediately start off with a YouTube channel, I start off with a blog, you know, start off small. And I named the blog uh, The Casual Cinepunks. And then later on, I renamed it to Sele Cinema, which was, which was French for that's cinema. And what was great was that within a month of blogging, I, I crossed, uh, I think, 50,000 views without even really trying to. Anyhow, a year later, I came out with my YouTube channel, I even, you know, I had, I had, you know, created this pretty cool intro video along with that. And I pretty much continued with that for another year. But again, before long, I, I started feeling that I was slipping into this pattern where I was just reviewing films. Uh, pretty much for the sake of just reviewing it, you know. I mean, there was no real enjoyment in what I was doing anymore. And personally, I felt that, you know, all I was doing was sitting in front of a camera and commenting about a piece of work that has been painstakingly created by a bunch of creative folks. And I felt left out, you know, I, I very much wanted to be a part of that creative process, you know, rather than just talking about it, you know, and, you know, being a part of that, you know, whether as an actor or, or as a director. <clears throat> and although I knew deep down then that, you know, I, I, I wanted to become an actor, I was still afraid of voicing it out loud, you know. I was basically, what I was doing was I was denying myself. And that ultimately led to a period of maybe a couple of months during which I was battling depression. Uh, before I think I, I finally, you know, I was able to summon up the courage to speak to my parents about it. Now, surprisingly, they were, they were quite un understanding about it. And although they, they, they did have their reservations and I guess that's only fair because, uh, if you, you know, at the end of the day, they love me and, and they only want what's best for me. And, you know, here I am, you know, earning a pretty good salary, living a secure life. And, you know, I'm, I'm ready to give that all up, you know. 
Anyways, I, I spent some time trying to search some good acting schools in Mumbai. And based on someone's recommendation, I found this place in Bandra West. Or, or, or rather car, you know, where they teach you method acting. That that term, method acting, you know, it just it piqued my interest. So I decided to explore and do my research on this place. Turns out that as far as acting schools are concerned, this place was a hidden gem. So I decided I'd, I'd enroll with them, you know, for their nine-month method, method acting course. Looking back, best decision of my life. So once again, you know, I mean, if you're an actor, you've got to check 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 this place out. I mean, it's called uh, the Jeff Goldberg Studio. It's in Car, 14th Road, opposite do- opposite Domino's. Uh, anyways, long story short, February last year, I resigned from my job, traveled across Europe for about a month and a half, needed a break, came back, and within two days of my arrival, I started my first day as uh, an acting student at the studio. And what can I say? The next nine months, I think they were, without a doubt, the best nine months of my life. At the end of the course, I took part in a play, uh, which was the Indian, uh, Indian adaptation of Anton Chekhov's Three Sisters. So we had six, six shows in total. Tickets were sold on Book My Show, and all the shows went houseful, and the reviews were pretty good as well. Apart from that, I was cast in another production, a production that I think every actor at some point definitely dreams to be a part of, and that production was Julius Caesar. And although I had a pretty small role in it, I was thankful to be part of such a huge, huge production, you know, where you had a cast of about 40-odd people. But I think the first time I got a sense of just how big a production it truly was, was probably when I was driving home one night after our rehearsals. And I see this poster of our play plastered across this huge billboard in Bandra, you know, right before we take that turn, you know, to go to the ceiling. And I also remember, you know, about a week before the premiere, during one of our run-throughs, we were presented with this huge pile of uh, posters. And we were told that, you know, all of us, you know, every single member of the cast is supposed to sign every single poster. I mean, what I'm trying to say is that a year back, I would never, never have dared imagine myself, you know, signing posters already, you know. I mean, in my head, my journey had only just started and, you know, I'm already, I'm signing posters. Uh, but what was really, truly exciting, however, was that we were premiering at the Royal Opera House on the 14th of March. That is on the eve of the Ides of March. Now, if you've read Julius Caesar, which if you're an ICAC student, you most definitely have. And, you know, you definitely know that the Ides of March plays such such a significant part in the play. So far, so good. Right? Wrong. So, I'm heading to the studio one day before the premiere, that is on, I guess, 13th of March. And... We are all supposed to have dinner together to celebrate the fact that we are finally doing this after more than six months of rehearsal. So while entering the lift, I, I check my phone and, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I had not checked my WhatsApp in a while. And this is, there it is, you know, in the group chat. Due to the COVID-19 situation, blah, 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 blah. We have received a notice from the chief minister's office that all shows have to be cancelled. I mean, seriously, I mean, can you believe our luck? You know, I mean, one day before the premiere. One day before the premiere, we are told that the show gets cancelled. And I think, you know, collectively, you know, as a team, you know, the entire cast, the director, you know, I think that hit us all pretty hard, you know. I mean, of course, we all understood the need for this action, but I mean, you can't deny the fact that it just, uh, it just hit us all really bad. No shame in that. There were a few tears also. And, you know, it's just that you work for something really, really hard for months. I mean, you show up, you, you try to give your best at whatever you do. And, you know, never imagining, you know, how it ultimately turned out, you know. We could never imagine that. So, yeah, here we are in the midst of the quarantine. 
for the past two three months every once in a few weeks uh the cast of julius caesar we just uh, we collect over zoom and we pre- pretty much you know all we do is we we say our lines you know recite our lines and you know just to stay in touch with the material because after all it's shakespeare and you know the language is a little uh, unapproachable initially but anyway uh, we still you know we have the hope that when things finally settle down we could you know at some point we we will be able to put up this mash of show up once again and while things look pretty difficult right now you know i mean hey you got to do what you got to do apart from that i've uh, i've been reading a lot up a lot of scripts you know mostly plays in the hope that you know finding something that i could direct at some point in the future because uh you know going for auditions uh, you know is pretty much out of the question and you know i mean everything is under a lockdown so yeah, i've been just re- reading a lot of scripts so uh, trying to find something to direct uh and what's great is i've found some pretty cool scripts that have got me really excited but then again you know before i can really start working on them i've um, you know like as in you know finding suitable actors i have to i guess i have to deal with all sorts of things you know like getting the performance rights paying royalty for the script you know all those kind of things which are always a pain in the ass apart from that uh, what else what else what else what else crap i just uh, i just realized i've been talking for more than 30 minutes pretty cool huh when i started i don't think i would have lasted even 5 minutes to be honest anyways i'm going to cut it short so yeah apart from finding good scripts to direct i i came across this really cool monologue which i've been preparing for quite some time now and i guess i'll be shooting any day now so i guess i could you know talk about my method or my process as far as this monologue is concerned maybe i could do that in a different episode i mean i'd absolutely love to do that i guess i'm uh, I'm pretty much saturated at this point, you know. I I, I don't know what else to say. So I guess I'm just uh, I'm gonna say my goodbyes for now. Oh, I mean, all I can say at this point is that you know, wherever you are, just stay safe and spend time with your loved ones. Spend time doing the things that you love doing because um, the way I see it, if this whole if this whole coronavirus situation has taught us anything, I guess it would be to make every single moment count. Oh, and yeah. I, Uh, before i forget i uh, you know and i feel absolutely horrible for saying this and you know it makes me feel like i'm sort of selling myself here but yeah if you want to reach out you can always feel free to connect me on instagram or facebook or on twitter the handles in the description so on that note i'll take your leave until next time ciao peace out folks